This is episode 16 of my podcast, Design Your Life. I'm amazed and delighted that we've got this far. I've met so many amazing people over these last 16 episodes. People have been very generous with their time, open, talked about the things that have worked for them, things that they struggle with, giving advice, um, talking about their fears and their plans. It's been so cool to hear the inner workings of a human being's life. Uh, people who we perceive as being successful often have issues that uh, you wouldn't think that they would have. Um, and I think that we can all relate to that and all learn from that. I want to thank all of you for listening in uh, and sharing my podcast with other people. I'm getting incredible feedback. Keep the feedback coming. It's always good to hear about how we can improve on things or you know, put, put forward people who you think I could interview. Uh, very much open to that idea. I want to thank my team. I want to thank Nigel from Vandal. It's been amazing, very patient listening to all these podcasts and recording them for me. Uh, Connie helping organize it. My broader Frost Collective team and helping promoting the social media, etc. Please also rate us on iTunes. Uh, you can listen to us on Spotify, um, SoundCloud. You can contact me through Messenger on Instagram. Thank you very much. Welcome to Design Your Life, the podcast where we explore applying design principles to everyday life. I'm your host and founder of Frost Collective, Vince Frost. Dare Jennings, founder of iconic Aussie surf brand Mambo, and Carby Tuckwell, former creative director of Moon Design, launched Deus Ex Machina into Australia's cultural consciousness in 2006 with some neatly customized motorcycles and a quaint notion that doing something is more fun than just owning something. Deus Ex Machina, which means God from the machine, is a step bigger than a brand, it's actually a culture. The pair's openness and enthusiasm struck a chord with people wherever they are to celebrate a culture of creativity. It's so cool to be here in uh, Redfern uh, recording with uh, Darren Carby. Welcome, guys. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thanks Lo for having us. Lovely to be here. Um, Deus Ex Machina. Uh, it's incredible how... Vince, sorry. Uh, we better get this straight. It's Deus Ex Machina. So, oh, okay, and I'm, I'm happy we're here to help you with the yes, uh, pronunciation. Yes, thank you. They'll help everybody else too. A person like you, you pays to get it right. Say it again so I can... Deus ex machina. Machina, okay. It's machina as, as in Italian say a car. Okay, yeah. okay, cool. But it, it's interesting in your line of work, which is in the advertising industry, that... Design. We, and design and... Um, Advertise well, this, this kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, hey, I, you got that wrong as well. That's good. Yeah. We're even. <laughs> Originally, we were just going to call it "God is from the machine," but a guy I know in advertising said, "No, no, go for the Latin. It'll be it'll be challenging." And uh, so that's where we decided to take a deep breath and call it Deus Ex Machina. Hands down, the the most pretentious name for a motorcycle company. Ever. <laughs> but it's funny because I remember going into um, Camperdown in probably two thousand five. Is that when you first opened there? Uh huh. Yep. And and walking in there in a, in, a, in this wonderful warehouse and and in comparison today it was not much in it. Sparse. Sparse. Yeah, that's probably a nicer way of saying it. And I remember just seeing, you know, seeing you two wandering around in there and kind of um, having a chat about it and just seeing today fast forward thirteen years. I think it's thirteen years. And what did you think at the time, Vince? Did you say? I thought what are these knuckleheads up to here. No, I thought, <laughs> holy crap, this is genius. Oh, really? You know, in the making. Absolutely. And what I, what I want to talk about is 
as you guys are kind of t two of the coolest guys in business uh, in Australia. And what I love about what you guys have done is you've, you've come together as kind of art and commerce, or you might not see it that way, but certainly from, it's cool to see Carby leave one of our main competitors in Australia, you know, 13 years ago, mm. and join forces with you, the two of you, kind of a powerhouse of, of, of a phenomenally dedicated focus on building a brand. Mm. Um, and obviously, Dare, you've done it before with Mambo. Very few people, you know, huge success uh, with Mambo. Congratulations on that, That's, you know, a while ago. But that, that became a world, worldwide, you know, um, brand. And, and Deus, I won't say the rest of it, um, <laughs> has, has done the same. And together you've done phenomenally well. You get, if you get a fresh idea and some very clever people involved, then it's... Um, it's been a grand adventure. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And how has it been for you, uh, Carby, going... It's not client side because you're a partner in this, but I guess it's like you're working on a brand 100%. How is it? Is that, was that a big adjustment? It was a huge adjustment, especially at the beginning because you, you went from a situation where clients, you know, you have to negotiate the whole process as a sales and, it's, it, you know, an idea doesn't just uh, materialise in the world. There's a, a process um, but that was one client and then suddenly we had thousands of them. But the idea was pure and as long as we stuck to what we believed in then it was going to work but uh, when I was talking to Carby initially about it I said well you know as in, in, as an agency you, if it doesn't work you can always blame a whole lot of people yeah, why it didn't yeah. work whereas in this if it doesn't work it doesn't work you know and uh, you have to accept that that's why it didn't work and then get on with it and take take your lessons and uh, and move on which I think is a, is a very much healthier real way to do things well, it's a living brand, isn't it? It's like it's not something you just template, walk away from, and the, the business keeps running with it and policing it. You guys are continually, every day, it's evolving. Uh, and it is, and it has to, that, which is another thing that we can't really quite explain to people, that this challenging the preconceived ideas of what we're doing is always important because uh, things become stale and things become predictable. Uh, it, it's not healthy. So I think w what we've been good at is just always changing it that much and bringing it, bringing it along so that people come back to see what you're doing. I keep talking to my guys and my clients about this, that today there's no excuse to not think of a, of a business or a brand as a living entity and that the best arrangement is for us to be on the journey with that, the business and to continue to learn and tweak and evolve and keep it live and fresh, you know. And I think there's a lot of... There are some businesses doing it, but I think you guys are absolutely got it, got it right. And, I'm, I'm, and I know it wouldn't be easy, but it, you, you're in the heart of it. And that's the other thing. You, after 13 years, you're still in the heart of that business. Yeah, I think you know? for, for us it's more like a religion. This kind yeah. of is this. Uh, so you can define people will keep coming back. Even if they come back to be annoyed, they will come back to go, what now? What are those knuckleheads up to now? <laughs> you know, kind of, it's, uh, uh, and it's... To be honest, it's the most exciting part of it as well. Yeah, but it must be incredible to see, I mean, to be working on it every day. And I mean, I was down at the cafe the other day uh, and I've been to Venice. I think I've spent a few other ones as well. Oh, the one in Bali too. And wherever you go in the world, you can see it, you're in Deus. You, you feel the culture is there. It's like you, you manage to kind of carry that through. And even in other languages or other you know events that are going on, it looks like every single piece of communication has your fingerprint, has your you know uh, signature and uh, illustrative style, color palette, and all that. But every single one is different. It's not like 
it doesn't look like it's a templated thing. It doesn't look like you just use the same communication platform for everything else. I mean, maybe you do. But for the outsider... No, no, it's definitely it's not. Every templated. garment's different, every hat, every gene, every piece of communication. Yeah, I mean... The, it's phenomenal. A religion's probably a good way to describe it. Or that, you know, Deus is it an idea or a philosophy that you know, um, turns into a different species depending on the soil that it's planted in. Oh. Um, yeah, this is our standard things here. <laughs> Deus is a seed. You plant it in a different soil and it grows differently. That, that's, and, and again, we, that was absolutely critical. And also we're also quite interested to absorb things from other cultures as well. Mm-hmm. You know, there were, I mean, there's guys like dicking around with motorbikes all over the world, but they do it in different ways and they do it in, with different sort of aesthetics and different things. And, and I think for us, and maybe this is being Australian, is we just... You know, we have a reasonably small, small culture here, so yeah. it's, it's interesting to find aspects in other places that adapt that we adapt to the idea that we initially had. Yeah, I was going to ask the question: What? When did that idea come about? Because obviously, I presume you had between you know selling Mambo and leaving Mambo, you had a period of time which you couldn't do anything. Was that true? Uh, the, yeah, that's true. I, I mean, I, I sold Mambo in two thousand, and I had this. I'd always loved motorbikes, mm-hmm. and I just needed to, to do the next thing. And I had this idea of putting a bunch of stuff together. And I knew Carby because uh, his wife Rachel worked at Mambo, worked with me at Mambo. Yeah. And I knew what he was doing at Moon. So it was like seduce Carby away from ah. <laughs> from, from the, the corporates and come and, uh, you know. And it was it was brave because Carby, Carby was uh, – you know, making a lot of money, and we were literally an idea. Yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah. we had the building, and we had the, you know, but we were we weren't. There wasn't a great deal of revenue to go against um, you know, what what we're doing. But right? it was a very good idea. Yeah, that, that's true. But it was and it was tailor made for you, Carby. That was the thing. All all your passions and all the stuff that I yeah, cared about. Yeah, there was, was a, all in. a lot of stored up um, creativity there to be yeah. <laughs> released. I was going to ask a question. So, like, you obviously finished it. With Mambo, and you had that period of time, you must have been thinking a lot about, okay, what's my next gig? What, what am I going to do next? Yeah, well, to how me, did you come I turned fifty, them? so I, I didn't, I couldn't retire. I mean, that's yeah. the trouble as you get older. The thought of retirement is a frightening prospect, and um, and it just, you know, I'd seen all this stuff, I'd done all these things. It was this, these ideas, and it always because it sort of came out of the surf industry, and I always resented the surf industry because of its monocultural sort of approach to things. And in, when I was in my 20s and the 70s, people surfed and rode motorbikes. They, they were not culturally dis, uh, yeah, dis, yeah. different. So and I knew that there was an older guy called Herbie Jefferson who was a speedway champion and a big wave surfer. And he said, it's all the same juice, man. That was his, uh-huh. uh, Herbie's great words, words of wisdom in Newcastle. And that was kind of that was an, the an essence that we wanted to try to bring in, that it was about enjoying these things and having fun. And did you know that was 100% the thing you wanted to put your energy into for the next 13 years or whatever it's going to be? Oh, it wasn't, wasn't like a, a conscious decision, but it just oh, really? seemed like a good idea at the time. Yeah, yeah. That's for sure. It wasn't a five-year plan. No. <laughs> <laughs> but just a lot of hard work and 
focus and determination. Yeah, it didn't feel like work, though. I mean, mm. okay, me, good. It, but there was still <laughs> no. But there was enormous risks as well. Yeah. I wasn't, it wasn't just a lark by any stretch of the imagination. But um, it was. Uh, you know, we tried things. They worked. We went there. We did this. But the, the most wonderful thing, I think, Harvey will definitely agree, was that people came to us like mm. yeah. know, from everywhere. Sure. Yeah. 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 What are you doing? This is fantastic. Yeah. yeah. So they thought maybe we're on a, onto a good thing here. Yeah. Yeah. Were you surprised by that? Well, the amount of attention it got? Were you surprised, Carly? Uh, Probably a little bit. (laughs) Pleased as much (laughs) as. Well, you know, we've been in trouble if no one gave a shit. I think we were moving so fast, and we have been since then, we didn't really sort of stop and. Yeah. And marvel at it. It's no, just been—it's just a congregation that sort of keeps getting bigger, and and that in turn, you know, we've never sat down and thought, what are we going to do next on bicycles? Let's have a go at that because mm-hmm. they've always been in the mix. Yeah, often you don't see the forest for the trees as well. Like you're in the middle of it, but we're, but at least we knew that wherever we went, people related to the idea, mm. which is you know playing with things, doing things, the kind of you know because we started. With the motorbikes that we'd seen in Japan, which and the, and the essential element of that is that it was young guys referencing vintage things, but in a very contemporary way. And for me, being older, I was, I was shit scared of um, of nostalgia because yeah. it, it becomes a it sounds like death after a while. But but this was a completely different thing. They were taking an aesthetic but doing it in a contemporary manner, and I think that was really what. If you want to boil it down, that's kind of what we were getting excited about. Oh, that's about. interesting. Yeah. I was going to ask you that because obviously it felt to me, I looked at it and go, wow, you're selling, especially when you opened in America, you're kind of in a way selling an American kind of culture, kind of like Marlon Brando, James Dean, et cetera. I know and that kind of Californian kind of customization, you almost sold it back to the Americans. Is that is that a fair assumption or is that uh, Yeah, no. In fact, I, it's one of the things I'm the most proud of because we – took this idea but we took this kind of we just took a completely different view of it and people came from everywhere you know we celebrated two-stroke motors we celebrated uh, airhead bmws we you know did everything but what you're supposed to do with motorbikes in america was there any copyright infringement on that when you stick a des logo on a bmw just any that never comes up no i guess because customizers have been doing that for a long time we weren't it wasn't something that suddenly they needed to pay attention. It wasn't an IP issue. Mm. Like the only time it ever happened was when we advertised a bike. I won't mention the manufacturer. And it was the Australian distributor who came and said, you can't use our name. Yeah. <clears throat> but apart from that, it's it's been positive and they've wanted to collaborate and, you know, please can you put our logo back on. Yeah. But, but it's always been a strange relationship between the, the brands of the manufacturers because on one hand they understand that modifying their bikes is a good thing to do because it keeps the whole mm. thing alive. But... But also they didn't give it, couldn't care less as well. Like it was such a, you know, they really wanted to sell new motorbikes. That's yeah, all yeah. they cared about. So, and it was really, there's this extraordinary thing where BMW developed the R9T. That was a quantum leap for them because up until then they were not interested in modifying their bikes and then they literally built a bike that you could, um, to address this market and, you, you know, that was easily modified if you wanted to, far easier than any other BMW. So after a few years of you guys doing what you were doing, these bigger manufacturers start taking note of what you're doing and probably being influenced by you guys. Yeah, there were motorcyclists out there who wanted to do that to their bikes en masse. You know, there was always people dicking around with their bikes, but um, we were kind of ahead of the curve 
But they, but they have embraced it, uh, the whole idea. And you can even with Yamaha now, you can buy all, all sorts of modifications that the factory does now. Mm. You know, th- th- those sorts of things are far more available. Funny story is that we have this connection to Ducati and Kikami and I went there and we know the guy who was heading up the Scrambler project and he had all Carby's graphics on the on his board. Carby didn't know whether to be really annoyed or really kind of chuffed or sort of or maybe both in a, equal a measures. Bit of both. Mm. But it's a good example. Um also I I notice when whenever I go now into any of the any of your you know, what do you call them? They're not stores, are they? What are they? Oh, it depends how big they are. Okay. <laughs> the bigger ones we refer to as temples, but they're, you know, they're oh, flagships. Right. Mm. Flagship, yeah. Um, yeah, so in any one of our temples. But it's interesting because I, th- I thought, I mean, also you changed the perception of, of you know, this bike kind of culture because um, I think probably initially it started off being a bunch of guys coming in, middle-aged guys. I think we talked about that there. Uh, you were slightly frustrated that, Guys were coming in, falling in love with the bikes, and then being told by their wives that they couldn't buy them. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, it is. It was sort of blokey for sure, but <laughs> but now it's not. I mean, I yeah. go in there now. It's like it seems like an equal mix of oh, yeah, no, men we, and women. And I, I'm very proud of the fact that we've never women have always enjoyed the place. It's it's not that typical blokey, no. um, you know, p- pictures of naked women on the wall and all of that stuff. We'd, we've been way more sensitive and aware of that stuff. I noticed when I, uh, when I was in Venice uh, just before Christmas and I, and I saw it, it was packed. Mm. Uh, big table outside, beautiful weather, everyone's eating, drinking, using your Wi-Fi, I guess, as well. Yeah. Some people buying products as well. That culture part, you seem to have got really right. And is that... Did you have to kind of keep tweaking and, and working on that to get it to to, to end up like in that situation? You know, the thing I'm the most annoyed about with the business is that in Venice we pioneered co-working without ever realising that's yeah. what we were doing. Yeah, and yeah. when I finally went into this big co-working space, I went, oh, that's we we were doing that because all those that place is always packed, but sixty percent of them are on, yeah. on their laptops, yeah, yeah, yeah. writing a screenplay or something. So it's sort of. Uh, so is co-working the next business? <laughs> no, I think we might have missed that. Uh, well, note. I mean, we've always said that we've, we're in the entertainment industry more than the <laughs> yeah. motorcycle industry, so people yeah. like to hang around and God come back. For, what's God from the desk or something? Like <laughs> <laughs> God's under the desk. Yeah, and you've got, is it 13 stores now that you've got? Yeah, probably 13 globally would be the, the count. Yeah. They're not all, um, you know, all encompassing food and beverage, retail, everything, but um, there's a few. But, but as we speak, this is odd how it works out, but we're op- there's a place opening in Ibiza um, and through a licensee there, but it's going to be a proper restaurant and, and everything. Um, but then Hot on the Hills will become a place in Amsterdam. And I think that there will be three significant places in Milan it seems to be just sort of rolling and mm. it's, you know, it just keeps coming back. The, the idea is uh, kind of resonates wherever we go. Um, your, your name, is it your original name, Carby? Yeah. So you've you come from a motorcycle car fanatic <laughs> father as well. Someone said you've got a great name for a NASCAR driver. <laughs> Carby Tuckwell. Uh, no, it's a family name, so but um, <laughs> coincidentally. Oh, really? It, yeah, yeah, it's a French surname that somehow... Ah, so it's not name. a carburetor. No, no. no okay. sure. <laughs> I always thought it was. I thought, Jesus, that's a great combination. Sure. My nickname at school was Weber. So. Oh, was it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, just let's talk about that transition from um, 
you know, Moon, a design company, and the role of, you were CD, I think, right? mm. Group yep. CD or whatever, yep. to then working in an organization, doing the day-to-day -day design. Because a lot of a lot of people talk about bringing the design in-house. A lot of clients talk about that. I think there's a move more towards today towards that as well. So I think things will get better in time as people get understanding how to do it well. But what have you what have you learned? Uh, what does the internal design team look like? Is it just you or is there like a... Oh, no, there's a few of us now. It's, this business is way too big for me to, you know, deal with a whole lot. But in the beginning, it was pretty much just me and an offsider. Um, and the thought of, I mean, we talk about this often, the thought of, you know, dealing with an outside agency would just seem so foreign because mm. we are reacting to things immediately. Yeah. And I think that, that time lag, if there was an interaction with an outside creative, I mean, just great creative out there, but... It's the, it's the immediacy of doing it in-house and yeah. also the ideas are generated downstairs. So it literally is all within the same, you know, um, body. And it is amazing that things that you think is quite obvious that other people don't see at all like in terms of that process mm. of... Um, and, and for me, even with Mambo, I never had used an advertising agency or, or a PR companies. We did it all ourselves. And the same with... And it's the same with, with Deus. We just... Whenever other people get involved, it's just alarming how little they understand about what it is we're doing. Or it becomes an interpretation. That's that's yeah. the bigger thing. Or they see a bit of it, or they don't, but they don't see the entirety. And it's it is um, it's a reality. So both of the companies were, were essentially advertising agencies, which had one client, which was themselves. So, yeah. yeah. But how does the day-to-day -day work? I mean, do you guys catch up every day? I mean, do you have to sit down and have a briefing session? Do you go, hey, there's a new range we need to do? Like, how does it, the day-to-day -day We have to work? adhere to, yeah, as far as the apparel side of the business. There's a, there are there's disciplines. A, there are disciplines, yeah. Um, so we probably begrudgingly adhere to those because there's a market out there that we have to hit the cycles on. Everything else, though, is it's very organic. I mean, we don't. As much as we can, yeah. yeah once you go outside, but look, it, the, the reality of our business is we're an apparel company that has created a cultural base for it to work off. Yeah, and the and the, it's sort of distressing for me because it, we, there's this endless array of people starting um, motorcycle and modifying, customizing yeah. businesses, but they never quite understand that you can't make money from doing that. Like, and they they go for a while and then mm. you know, they lose their parents' house or whatever it is that they've been doing. Whereas, you know, in the end, we're, we're sustained by the revenue of of the apparel industry because it's scalable, you know, a garment you design here you can sell in 50 other countries. You know, it's sort of it, – it's and it's a business that I, I, I know reasonably well and and it's, and it's trying to keep that balance of passion and enthusiasm in the cultural base and the apparel industry – making sure the whole thing doesn't go belly up. Yeah, but it's also a very easy way to participate in the, the culture, in the lifestyle, is to have an apparel, an extensive apparel range. Mm. So well, that's kind of from the beginning, lots of people thought is this just some sort of tricky way of, you know, marketing and apparel. Actually, a German magazine um, posited recently that Deus is just a big, you know, marketing exercise, respond. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they did, and uh, but whatever. I like you know. We, we just don't want to go broke. Is yeah. what it comes down to, and in the end, you know, a lot of those things they're either marginal at best, or or you just don't go. You know, you, you pour money into it, and it ends up being uh, um, 
uh, it, it comes to nothing. So that's really the what happens. And what do you think in terms of the landscape, the retail landscape in Australia? I guess it's limited being, what, 20 plus million in the whole of Australia. You get to California, it's massive, isn't it? The, the difference in terms of the potential clients you could get there. Where do, where do you think that's going? Are you, doing, are you selling a lot online or is it all sold through coming into the store? There's a lot online. We have a big wholesale business and obviously you know, the vertical is the best way to sell it. Um, but the challenge is that every market's different. You know, what the Americans want is very different from what the Australian... We're a mature, not in demographic, but we've been around for a while in Australia. People are familiar with the brand. We mm. have to, it's probably harder here because we've been around for longer. Um, the new markets, everyone wants something different. So that's probably the biggest challenge. Yeah, there's a lot of demands. That that's interesting that because you know, if you go, people know you here for 13 years. The avid followers, um, like me and lots, a lot of my friends, going into a new market, they probably some people have brought it from other countries, but it's brand new. So you think you get that that whole new 13 years plus ahead of you? It must be phenomenal to think. Well, uh, well, you you enter a new market with a big back catalogue. That helps yeah. <laughs> because you've been doing it for so long, um, and probably learn a few lessons. I mean, the biggest thing that I think. But just back to the point about not having an agency or not you know, doing everything internally, is that not only the successes but the failures are immediate. So you, know, you can modify and adapt and that, you know, doing things wrong has been just as important as yeah. doing things right. Can you talk about what was your biggest failure? Well, maybe not personal failure, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, <laughs> business failure. Or whatever. We opened this significant place in Auckland and that was we ended up just shutting it because the guy who was, we were doing it with was sort of unpleasant to be around. So... We've tried to keep this no dickheads policy, <laughs> which has been to a, you know, by and large, we've stuck to. And uh, so you, you, you can make mistakes just in terms of getting. The, the trouble with what we do is the company and I do this thing and it just sort of looks like we're just a couple of guys doing some cool shit, like, you know, and, and people come around and go, whoa, I want to do some cool shit too. And you go, no, you don't understand. The cool shit we're doing is the right cool shit yeah, yeah, yeah. and what you're talking about is not. And, and then people get quite offended by that because they can't see why. If we're doing it, why can't they do it too? And they go, well, you go and start your own business and you can go and do all that stuff if you like. But we, we give this impression of being uh, – I, I, the analogy is always it's the duck sort of on top of the water and looks calm and collected on top but underneath it's peddling like crazy, you know. And yeah. that's a, uh, I think that's what sort of how it, how it is. But the, the outward appearance of what we're doing is just, you know, just casually doing some stuff we like doing. I mean, there's a lot of, for, for your success, there's a lot of businesses, I mean, be tons of businesses that have failed uh, trying to do, I mean, there's a lot of copycats out there a lot of, and there's also... I think it's like 80% of businesses fail within the first three years, yeah. um, which is an incredibly high statistic. Uh, so getting it right is, you know, I don't know, it's a certain amount of luck, but it's a certain amount of dedication, focus, and determination as well, you know. But it's also, like, you know, there's the idea for sure. Like you've got to have an idea that's kind of going to carry you. But you also got to make sure you've got some funding to get you through those, yeah. the tough part. Yeah, there's, a, there's a whole raft of things yeah. that you need to make sure work. And... But I think the, the glory of a private business is you can make your mistakes and keep going. When I sold Mambo, I ended up on the board of directors of the Gazelle Group that bought um, that bought Mambo and it was just horrible. It was all about blame. Who A mistake has been made. Someone must pay for this. You know, It was always that mentality which was, yeah. I just found particularly distressing. It's quite sad. I mean, I, I mean, you must feel the same way to see what it is today. Cause yeah, it's, look... The cycle, it, it had gone through a cycle and it, and it was probably 
time for it to uh, take the Mari Kondo approach to it. You've been a lovely brand and I've enjoyed it, but it's probably time now you go and go with somebody else and, you know, uh, I don't lose any sleep over it. But it, it, to be honest, in a way it sort of vindicates my position because other people took it and yeah. didn't kind of listen. That's an interesting point though because I was thinking if, what would it have been like if you'd stayed there? Like can a, can a brand continue to evolve and grow forever? But I would have been bored. So, and that would have, in, in this line of work, you've got to stay interested. Otherwise, it becomes uh, tricky. Okay. So, you're not bored yet? <laughs> no, no. No, there's, there's still. But I'm 70 next He's year. He's like, Garby's giggling <laughs> nervously. Yeah. yeah, <laughs> not be, yeah. You could you're what? a little more attention. You're um, 70 yeah, this year. So yeah, we can no, edit so this bit yeah, out as well if you don't yeah, want. So, yeah, no, it's. But, you, you look know, bloody good for 70. Yeah, but I just got to keep. You know, there's a lot that can happen with this business. So I think that's – whereas I think Mambo had probably gone through an arc and got to this point, um, you know, all the people that contributed had grown old and, you know, it, it was sort of it, – it probably got to a certain point. And whereas I think this is really only just beginning. Like, you know, there's so many so many things that we could, could be doing and should be doing. Mm. So in to answer the question, yeah, it probably could go on forever because it's based on the principle of evolution and continually recycling and not... Mm. And even, like, the biggest excitement we've had in our place is that our, a Swedish guy we know who's developed an electric motorcycle called Cake came over and, wow, look at this, it's a, an electric motorcycle and it's cool as, you know, like we're all desperate to wow. ride the damn thing. But so, one of your guys? No, no, he's a um, he, he was a, uh, a Swedish guy who owned POC, the, ah. the helmet company, and he sold it and developed this. But but my point is that there's always something incredibly cool turning up, and you know, Carby got heavily involved with these guys in uh, LA called Luftekult, who were celebrating air cooled what ended up being air-cooled Porsches, but, I mean, it was air-cooled engines. But the um, but it was amazing to watch this whole thing grow. And and they came to us initially because they wanted to do something that was like how we did things and then they took that and, you know, they sort of run with it. But, but you know, it was just when... It, it, the history of this is we started doing those motorbikes and everyone said, what? Then they got their head around it and, yeah, yeah, that's really cool these old school sort of motorcycles. And then this kid came in one day and he was on a, he was riding a single speed track frame bicycle. Mm. And we go, wow, that's so good. Mm. So we, we embraced that idea of kids dicking around with single speed bicycles. And then, but everyone said, no, you can't do that. You're a motorcycle company. This is bicycles. The two things are different. I go, well, we don't care. We're doing it. And then because I've always been in, in the surf industry and going to Bali, we decided to embrace surfing and that, that was it. You've lost it. You can't. <laughs> you surfers. And, and I said, well, Herbie Jefferson said it's all the same. It's all yeah. the same juice. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so that's what we're doing. And, and it, was, it was fun. Like to, the outrage was almost um, inspiring, you know. The, yeah. yeah. And then when Carby did the, the cars, they said, no, but you don't do cars. You don't. Yeah, I mean, I'd been drawing cars and we'd been doing artwork in, with cars forever. <laughs> forever. Yeah. yeah, so the progression was natural. It sounds like you guys are having a lot of fun. Is, it, is that the number one number one focus? I think it's an, it's a giving the impression nice of having byproduct of <laughs> <laughs> what we do. Well, it's a great impression. <laughs> <laughs> no, but we do. Like it's we hell. Do, we no. like this stuff. 
You should see Carby showed me the other day. He found these fanzines that he did when he was at high school. And I said, you, you've got to, you should show them. Oh, yes. You should as see them. Amateur they were publisher. hilarious. Like they were all, and it was all done with a photocopier and a bloody That's and what you scissors, get. basically. Growing up a long way, from, well, there was nothing. There was a photocopier and a camera. Is this before computers? You know that. Oh, way right? before computers. Yeah. yeah, this was Letraset, and you know. Oh it's, wow, yeah. it's making yeah. a comeback. Yeah. yeah. Did it? Did it have? Is, did, did it kind of look similar to Deus in any way? No, not at all. I mean, I was, I was fifteen. Looked and, like uh, Carby. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> fanatical skateboarder. No, that was a, a distinct aesthetic that was developing. I was getting a, a, a you know a quarterly injection of culture f- through Transworld and Thrasher magazine. Specially ordered in the local news agent, <laughs> fantastic, <laughs> and, and living on a farm. So you know, I was absorbing every bit of culture I could. So and it, that it, sort of—it's funny how we're both farm boys. So like we both, yeah. we we're both products of the frustration of living on a farm. Yeah, well, that space too to to enjoy and ride bikes and stuff. Exactly, fix things and stuff. Mm. Drive tractors around in ever-ending, never-ending circles. But anyway, the um, yeah, we both bolted from that. You guys seem like great mates as well as business partners, and that's again quite rare after thirteen years, isn't it? I p- probably I don't Do know. Have you have really and stuff? You look, at, you look out the door, we're having a blazing <laughs> row out in the street after this. But anyway, he brought the bike back with no fuel again. <laughs> so no, no, I did, you know I think we've got a great symbiotic relationship. We're both creative, and I think that you know that's endured. We don't, we sort of in, the, in the personality types, there's a bit of yin and yang going on there, yeah. I think. I was going to ask you, because designing your life, this is kind of the, the podcast series, of course. Um, it's also, also about talking to people about business, but also about their, their personal life and how they still stay well, you know, what they do. You guys got any advice around how to live a good life? Oh, you know, you Dare no. has to be the one to answer that question. Well, no, but, but both of us are... Fortunate, or well, I mean, I had, didn't have much choice really in my case, but that we do stuff that we like doing. So it's never um, the, the things that were the, the components of our business are the things that we enjoy doing anyway. So the idea of having a hobby or something is mm. kind of a is um, is an odd concept for yeah, us yeah, because yeah. it's sort of the whole thing is like a hobby. But uh, so you know, we, we, we're fortunate in that regard. And you, you live and breathe it 24-7. Yeah. Yeah, yeah pretty much. Yeah. Well, the, I mean, it's living and breathing. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it permeates the atmosphere, I think, is all this kind of stuff. We never really switch it off. And as Des said, you know, it's fundamentally about being active. Mm. And that's, you know, that's part of the... But it's still, yeah. You know, did you see this on Netflix? Did you see this? You know, so it's, mm. it's good. Yeah, you know, we I, I couldn't help but notice that the editor of Thrasher magazine died the other day, and I thought Carby was like, there was, because <laughs> Carby was the editor of his own magazine at high school. So <laughs> these two things came together. It was very exciting to talk about. Oh. but what do? You, what, but what do you do in terms of any um, any wellness? Is it, does it get tough? Do you kind of have hit a wall? Do you, you know, struggle at times? Um. I guess for me, uh, the most important thing is trying to keep some space in my head. Mm-hmm. That there's so much going on, and the only way we're going to continue to, or I'm going to continue to grow, is to have some time to just consider. So it's less a physical than than a mental um, wellness. Mm. How do you, how do you deal with that? Yeah, we write a lot, um, and that's always a good tonic. But look, probably the the hard part these days is there are more people sitting at the table. Like we, we've done a deal with our Italian 
friends in Milan, which you know was an which has terrific upsides because it, you know we're right in the centre of Europe with some very influential people. But on the other hand, you've got <laughs> Italians going, but, you know, I think we should do this. And you go, well, I don't know about that. You know? <laughs> so, but, but, you know, that's just reality. You, you, there's, you, and to begin with, it was just me and Carby deciding what mm. it is, but now there's other people. And it, and it does, the more, the more people that are having a say, the more complex it becomes. So. Mm. Well, the politics started to come in. Yeah, politics. So the politics weren't haven't been there until now. Yeah, cultural oh. superiority is probably the hardest part. But anyway, that's. Oh, <laughs> yeah, you're going off the wellness bit though. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Is it you're riding a bike, aren't you? Push bike sometimes. I've seen you. Yeah, yeah. I, I um, I ride. I thought you lost your license <laughs> there for a bit, but you obviously yeah. enjoy it. You no, know, I'm still <laughs> hanging on by a thread, but. Um, no, I, I, it's, but again, it's like wow! Look at this. Look, specialised in making these amazing bikes, and but um, you know, they're just there's always a new toy. There's always something. But yeah, know, if the toy is helping you keep fit and you know get excited about something, then yeah, so be it. Um, what I was going to say was regards to you know the gas engines, uh, two stroke, four stroke. Do you think there's going to come a day when we don't have them anymore? That's all all electric. For sure. It's, it's, when, when's it's, that going to be? I couldn't. What? <clears throat> Motorcycles or engines in well, general? Both, yeah. A, a two-wheeled electric vehicle makes a lot more sense than a four-wheeled because it's lighter, it goes shorter distances, it's already a commuting device. Um, it's, ugh, look, it's headed that way. Yeah, and, and I mean, sadly, you know, people like to ban things they don't care about and as people care less and less about the internal combustion engine, they will be more likely to want to ban it. Oh, but, do you reckon they'll ban it? Well, yeah, because they, people like to get righteous about this stuff. and uh, But, I mean, I'm sure they will still exist as um, vintage things. Yeah. But, but it's also a generational as well. I've got like a six-year-old kid and, the, and I can see that they will, they just won't care about internal combustion. And there'll be some cool kids who do, but by and large it would be just a thing that's not around so much anymore. I think the good thing about it is that the boring cars and bikes will fall away. They'll become... Electric, you know, the washing machines on wheels. And it was either Enzo Ferrari or Ferdinand Porsche who said, in the future there will only be Porsches and Ferraris on the road because that it'll be the top level that sticks around but everything else will just be electric or... Yeah, a bland thing bland, to get yeah. you from A to B. Yeah. Hopefully yeah. not autonomous. That's a mm-hmm. whole other kettle of fish. Yeah. So yeah. You, so, <laughs> there won't be autonomous motorbikes. Uh, that's the good news. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that's interesting because I, I, I had a Harley which I sold recently, um, which I'm kind of now glad about I did. Um, but it was incredibly noisy. It had this terrible ringing in my ears all the time. But a lot of Harley riders swear that that noise protects them. So, you know, if you have a silent bike coming down the road, I mean, it's that's, that's quite lethal, I think, isn't it? Loud pipes save lives. That's an old motorcycling cliche. But, um, you know, it's it's... You know, I think it's a bit disingenuous from the Harley riders to say that, that it's a safety measure. I think they just like the fact that they're really noisy. I think that people will just develop really good spoky dokes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what does the future look like? You said before you, did, you haven't done a five-year plan. Have you, done, have you done a plan since? Have you now got investors then who are looking for much more of a, a focused, you know, future and return on their investment? I mean, there's two parts. It's either apparel, which is... A business unto itself, and there's, but the but in Europe they 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 want to open more of these temples, you know, places that are 
interesting, they've had a food and beverage, but have thing, activities going on in them and what have you. And I think that that's probably one of the better things that we've, we, we always said we're like accidental restaurateurs the, because we didn't really mean to, but we discovered this an in, interesting place for a restaurant to be. And in Europe now, you know, there's, I, don't know, I mean, just in Europe, there's like 10 places now with um, food and beverage and what have you. And, it's, and the idea is that people will go there. When we first opened in Camperdown, it was, you know, the, it's probably the worst address in, in Sydney on, on Parramatta Road. And, you know, um, but it was big. We could make an interesting environment for people to make an effort to go there. And I think we, we sort of, without even realising it, we sort of pioneered this idea of a, a big place off prime real estate mm. and, um, and, and make it, interesting make it engaging and people want to, wanting to go there mm. a, a place in bali is amazing like that that's full all the time changu in changu and that originally was just rice fields and now yeah. it's just built up oh it's amazing mm. um yeah but no in the last two years we have there's new shareholders in the business and there is f- a five-year plan yeah. um which is you know basically to open more temples yeah. to you know to experience more mm. yeah places you can experience things but you know it's a, i mean but we're not going to have like an actor pretending to be a mechanic or anything it's just it's always the thing what what we can find to do in those places that, yeah. that is interesting do you think this this is going to be the main the main project for a long time or have, uh, you got, have you got another big idea in your head that you're going to do in the future i certainly haven't <laughs> <laughs> No, I, no we're, this is, we're enjoying this. This is still there's still plenty of gas left in the tank. Yeah, oh, no, it, of it, this this idea. Mm, yeah, and yeah, as I said, Mambo had sort of played out for me, but this has sort of still got a um, got a lot of uh, possibilities. And 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 again, you know, the the thing that Carbino always talked about that when it's all boiled down to it, Deus is a philosophy. We, we got it down to that thing. This is a philosophy, a way to live your life. And once you've done that, you can, you know, it, this philosophy can manifest itself in many different ways. And that was, I think, still at the core of this is we can, there are different ways we can go. You know, the, the art, the, the, the food can do different things. You know, the, the, the mechanical side of it. There's tons of, tons of different things. I was going to ask a question because people listening in, there's a whole mixture of people, designers, you know, business people, whatever. Um, how do you advise? How, how would you advise people to find, you know, their thing that they li- that they absolutely love it? That, you know, because a lot of people don't in this world, and it's quite sad when they don't. To kind of in a way to develop their own philosophy and, you know, to have a much better life as a result of that. How do you find that? Look, it's hard to say because we, we've done what we've done, and it, and it, was, it wasn't. And like I said, if if. I always feel a bit like Warren Buffett who said he just as well he was really good at reading uh, profit and loss and, uh, statements of companies because I think he probably would have starved to death. Uh, so I always feel a bit the same. It's just as well I found this because my parents thought I was, they would be feeding me when I was, you know, when I was old because <laughs> they, uh, they seemed to have no aptitude for anything. But somehow through that I found this thing that, I, you know, I cared about and, um, and sort of moved ahead with. So... Uh, I, I'm really reluctant to give people advice about this because in the end you've got to just got to decide have you got the tenacity to stick with it, have you got the idea to stick with it, have you got the 
courage of your convictions. I don't know. It's it's hard. And what does it feel like to you when you've when you've when you've got this thing when you've when you've found it? Oh, terrific! <laughs> like, yeah. uh, wow, look at that. People come around; they're interested. Uh, maybe they would. I, you know, I didn't. Uh, I wasn't wasn't a certainty by any stretch of the imagination. But yeah, and there's, there's not a lot of contemplation about it. Really, we sort of just get on with it. I guess it was. How do you make it sound so effortless? <laughs> well, this was <laughs> and not not second acts, but we'd both come from yeah. successful yeah. businesses and had brought very competent skills from different areas in, mm. um, and was then it was just less about creating a business and more about just doing what we liked, mm. which again sounds When the kids come to me now, I thought, oh, you know, I'm year 12 now, what should I do? And I said, just piss off. Go. <laughs> like, just go. And Fantastic. Look, if you That's be a, what I want to hear. If you want to be a lawyer, then, yeah. yeah, sure, you go to the university. But if you want a life, go and have a life. And then maybe from that life you will find these things that you you want and This is about. good. This yeah. is good. Mm. And because... I was, you know, I was in my thirties before I started. Like I said, my parents thought I was starved to death. The, but, in and I, all these other people I know didn't do a lot in their twenties, but they kind of decided to, you know, do something. And but at least in my twenties, I absorbed all this cultural stuff yeah. that I was able to then authentically create something else out of. And I think that's. Um, what, what do they say when you tell them to piss off? Well, no, no, I said no. I don't mean piss off as in <laughs> stop bothering me. I mean go away, like yeah. get a clipper ship or go around the horn. You know, <laughs> you know my best friend is hugely successful in advertising. He ran away to the merchant navy when he was at high school. You know, and and he's the most entertaining, creative, clever guy. But I'm not saying everyone can do that. But mm. you know, they're, they're they're the stories I like to hear about. That's but it I mean. makes a difference. So they have a world. World view, experience. yeah, yeah. I know. I know. It, it does. Did you study business? Is that how you got into it? No, I didn't. Textiles or no. what? No, I, did, I didn't study anything. I went to Sydney University and did English literature for a couple of years. Uh, but yeah, I, I escaped the country as well. I, I left high school, went straight to London, and ended up in Zurich for five years. And I, I did a little bit of study there with the. At Kunstkewerbe, surely, but where did you study design then? Did, did at, you... In Zurich, but it was oh. it was a it was more a, uh, a consequence of my visa than a desire to study in Zurich. Yeah. See, that's really funny. <laughs> Carby, he, he studied design for his visa. <laughs> I was quite <laughs> happy. <laughs> Is that true? <laughs> yeah, it's true. Yeah, yeah no, I, had a, I had a Swiss girlfriend, and, and um, her father was an architect, and had worked in the same office as a designer. And he said he you know joked and said I'll. Teach you design if you teach me English, and he at the end of the five years he couldn't oh, speak English. That's good. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I could but you could Swiss, design. I could design yeah. and speak yeah. Swiss German, and there was a bit of I had to do some some technical stuff at the you know at the tertiary level in wow. Switzerland, but um, yeah, eventually got kicked out um, and came back here. But it's exactly what Des saying. It was just I had a, a deferred position at UTS, and thank God I didn't take that. Not advocating that tertiary education is wrong, but for me, it definitely was getting out there and seeing stuff. And so you got a design by default then, mm, pretty much. Do you think you would have found it come back? Yeah. Um, good question. I've thought about that often. I don't think so. I think that. Oh, who knows? Maybe it's. You know, you know, yeah, but if you could have seen, if you see Carby's fanzines that he designed at high school, yeah. you, you know, I, the, I don't think you really needed that design school. I'd probably but anyway, still be doing fanzines. But, <laughs> but you learn a lot of big names and the, the designers and things. So, mm. but there, there's a documentary. Uh, there's a Bob Dylan documentary um, 
And in a, the, the, one of his contemporaries, Bobby Newworth, was a folk singer or something at the time. And he goes, you know, back in those days when people would say, I went and saw such and such, and you go, you'd say, did they have something to say? <laughs> and, and that was like a really important point. Have you got something to say? Yeah, yeah. And even with Mambo, people would bring their design f- portfolios in. And the first thing I'd always see was a perfume bottle because at tech, that's what they taught them was like a oh, designer perfume bottle. Yeah. And I go, put that away. What do you do at the kitchen table when you're just f- yeah, yeah, yeah. When you're having fun? And a lot, so many of them couldn't didn't have anything from the kitchen table or they'd just done their courses and now they're expected to be a graphic designer. No, it's true, actually. I mean, I, I say to people, often they are the photographers, designers often have two portfolios. And one is the, the stuff they love doing, which is not the commercial stuff they get commissioned to do. Another stuff is the, the stuff they get that's compromised and stuff that's not so, not so great that they get more work from. And I said, just have one portfolio. You don't have to do what you believe in. Don't, don't, do, don't compromise that. Don't dilute your energy and your focus. Yeah. And that's exactly what you guys are doing. You're 100% doing deus. Mm. Uh, and it's successful because of that, and it's phenomenal. The reach that you guys have created, the uh, the culture, and then in the engagement, you know, the temples, etc., around the world are spectacular, and you guys should be very proud of those. Oh, thank you. Yeah, that's a, it's a it's a lot. The Just next... a couple of young fellas having a go. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> We're kind of excited at the moment. Our Japanese partners have bought um, some land up in Hokkaido. And they're, they're mad snowboarders. And we're going to have a crack at a Deus Hotel or a Deus Ski oh, Lodge. How awesome would yeah. that be? It's actually it's going to be fun. So it'll be, it'll be part capsule, um, part demountable, part you know, luxury lodge. Yeah, wow. When is that going to happen? Uh, I reckon th- two to three years will be open. Wow. With any luck. Yeah. Well, yeah, but just... certainly a, a hotel, some idea of a hotel, a place where you can... For what is a hotel, but some rooms above a, a restaurant and, yeah. and some other things. So, um, but you know, I suppose you can. We, we, if you, someone who's subscribed to our way of things, things you can go to that hotel and find all the things that you want in that place that you're visiting. And this, you know, this wouldn't be a, like a novelty experience. It wouldn't be like a hard rock cafe where everything's expected. This is really just the philosophy taken to a you know a comfortable environment. Well, that's cool. I wish you guys the best of luck with that. Uh, it's been so cool having you uh, on the podcast today. Oh, thank Thanks, Vince. Thank, thank you, Vince. Vince. <laughs> thank you all for listening. If you want to find out more about Designing Your Life, head over to our website at designyourlife.com.au or on our social media at Frost Collective. <laughs>